Vegas Inc. Radio. I'm Dellen Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing all things cancer and the progress the Cancer Treatment Centers of America is making. Joining us first now is um, a patient and survivor, Gina Churchill. Welcome, Gina. Thank you. You're here from here in Las Vegas. Yes. And tell us a little bit about your story and who you are. Well, I am um, a Las Vegas native, and I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2011. Um, Decided to go to the cancer treatment centers in 2011 after a surgeon told me that he was going to wait and see what happened with my cancer. (laughs) And you weren't willing to wait? That seems crazy. Yeah, I know, right? No, I just decided that, that I wanted to be a little more progressive. Absolutely. And why Cancer Treatment Centers of America? Actually, my mother-in-law saw a commercial at about 4 a.m., um, and so we decided to call, see what it was all about, see if it was going to be an option. And it wasn't the first option. We had we had many options available, but it was someone from the hospital that, that followed up and continued calling me to make sure that I was okay, and that's what brought, to, brought me to the hospital. Wow. And so we talk a lot about medical tourism here in Las Vegas, but you sort of did the opposite going to Arizona. Was that a hassle? I mean, would you have preferred to get treatment locally or was it whatever it takes? You know what? It it really was whatever it was going to take. And their facility is amazing. The hospital is, um, you really have to to go to experience it. Just walking through the doors, you feel like you're in in safe hands and, and everybody is really very caring there. So... And most importantly, how are you doing today? I am good. I'm actually now a two-time survivor. I was diagnosed in 2012 with thyroid cancer, so they are taking very good care of me. Well, that's wonderful. I'm <laughs> glad to hear you're, you're doing well. And now you're sharing your story with others. You're a spokeswoman of sorts for CTCA. Yes, I am. And in a couple days, you're going to be um, speaking here at the Palms at the OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what the summit is and what you're going to be talking about. The summit is um, really a gathering of patients and caregivers and physicians and pretty much anybody who's been affected by cancer. Um, It's for young adults because really I think that when you think cancer, you think, you know, older people and or younger people, and really you don't expect um, survival. So what the OMG Summit does is gives hope, and it allows all these younger people who are working with kids who are starting careers and, and things like that, it gives them a forum to where they can learn from one another and, and bounce back and learn about what new technology there is. Absolutely, and we'll be talking to a doctor later about... Um the new technologies they're doing at CTCA, but um, young adults account for 72,000 new diagnoses every year, and that's one every eight minutes. It's pretty staggering. It is. Um, You're going to be talking about parenting with cancer. You have um, four children, I hear? I have four children. So, yes, and our kids came along um, on this journey unwillingly, but they've been troopers, very, very brave. How old are they? They range, let's see, (laughs) 22, 18, 12, and soon to be 10. Oh, that's wonderful. And what are some tips? Uh, There's obviously, unfortunately, a lot of parents going through this right now. What tips do you have for the parents and for the kids, I guess? 
honestly, for the parents, don't keep your kids in the dark. Make them aware because I think if you if you shadow it and and don't really come up front, the kids are become afraid. It, it becomes fearful. Um, we really involved the children and allowed them to be proactive with us. We allowed them to ask questions to you know and to know what the reality of the situation was and. And on their own, they've each done their own independent research. And, you know, so I, I think that we, by not keeping them in the dark, we really helped help to them. Well, you make a good point because now with the internet, I mean, unless you have a two-year-old who can't get on the computer, most kids can go Google cancer. <laughs> and that's pretty scary, I would imagine. Absolutely. I think there are some two-year-olds that can Google cancer. Yes, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're right. And there's so much information out there. And it's not always good information. You know, you hear the word cancer and it brings out the worst. It, it really does. And so, you know, allowing the kids to disseminate what information is real information, um, you know, from what they find on the Internet and everything, it, it really keeping them involved is the key. Absolutely. And any advice for the kids, um, how to cope with this or deal with, you know, relate to your parents who's going through this? Yeah. You know what? My... My husband, his mom is a um, is a nine year colon cancer survivor. My mother is a one year breast cancer survivor. Uh -huh. So, from that aspect, ask questions, and and even for my kids, and it's okay to cry. I think that's what my husband and my kids hid from me for a little bit that they were scared and that they would cry and everything. Um, but it's okay. Like it's it's a sad, it's scary. It's a scary situation. Absolutely. And, you know, you and your family are, are doing great, thank God. Any any advice for patients how to stay strong during this? I, I really break down. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not, right? <laughs> it's... It's, you know, you want to stay strong for everybody else. You want to, you know, you want to think ahead. And your your mind is going in all these different ways. Take some time to just digest everything and understand and be diligent. You know, if a doctor tells you no or if he says something that you don't agree with, question him. It's it's your life and you really have that option. Absolutely. I think that's a huge piece of advice. You hear so much, you have to be your own advocate. And it sounds like exactly what you did. If you had listened to perhaps the first doctor, you might not be sitting here. How, is that a hard decision? A lot of people are intimidated. Um, I think it is. You know, traveling out of state for medical treatment is scary in and of itself. You have to you have to take everything into consideration. You know, the traveling, how are you going to feel? Where are you going to stay? You know, what about meals and, and just everyday life? Um but, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And what about um, cost? It, does insurance cover this or it's just uh, something you have to absorb as a family? Insurance pays a portion of it, but really our family rallied around. We did um, a lot of different things. We had uh, we held benefits um, just to help us get through that, that period because traveling back and forth, you know, we had to stay in a hotel, and, and we even brought the kids with us. So um, we did it, – it's a financial impact, and we had to, to get creative. Absolutely. Well, um, I, we're getting close to running out of time, but um, any final words? Can people attend the OMG Cancer uh, Summit if they want to? Are tickets available? Absolutely, they can. And um, I would really encourage it, especially for anybody. Cancer is going to affect you at some point. 
be it a friend, a family member, um, hopefully not personally, but you know what, it, it, it can. And so I think that this summit has a lot of valuable information on how to deal with it, and um, it'll be a good time. Well, great. The The summit begins April 25th at the Palms. Um, you can check it out online and visit the CTCA for more information on all their wonderful treatment programs. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you. We really appreciate you being here on Vegas Inc. Radio. Joining us now is Dr. Walter Kwan, Jr., Chief Medical Oncologist at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Welcome, Dr. Kwan. Thank you very much, Dell, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Well, thanks. You see a, a lot of patients with a variety of types of cancer, melanoma, kidney cancer, lymphoma, gastrointestinal cancer. There's advancements, I assume, being made every day at, at your centers and across the country. What should people know about cancer? Are we making progress in the battle? Yes, we are. Um, we have 12 active uh, clinical trials or new treatments for a variety of cancers, multiple trials, um, for melanoma, kidney cancer, lung, uh, colon, gastrointestinal, breast, ovarian, and prostate cancer. Half of the studies that we're doing right now involve the immune system, and we're particularly excited by, by this type of therapy because the, the treatment um, activates a person's, basically their special forces of the immune system. In other words, the white blood cells that have an ability to kill cancer cells and, and we're most excited about these. Absolutely. So you're basically using the body's own fighting system to fight the cancer cells? Absolutely. There are um, a series of messenger proteins that the immune system, the white blood cells, use to communicate with one another. And because of genetic engineering now, a number of these proteins can be given in very pure form in higher doses than what our bodies normally make. And so when you when you give these these cytokines or these activating proteins, these messenger proteins to people with cancer, it is possible to get these special killer cells to essentially come to the rescue to attack uh, cancers that can be widely spread. Wow, that, that sounds great. And you said they're um, in clinical trial. How long does that last? When can people start getting treatment with this if it proves to be as effective as we're hoping? Right. So we actually have patients that are being treated right now uh, on, on these studies. And so it, it is, uh, they are available currently. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, a, a lot of people hear the C word and, you know, understandably are devastated thinking it's a death sentence, but that's changing, right? Absolutely. People nowadays live longer despite having widely spread cancer than ever before. Newer treatments are making a difference, plus also involving an integrative approach where you manage people's symptoms that are related to the cancer, you involve a person's uh, diet, you, you encourage exercise, and and also their, their frame of mind um, all play a role. And particularly when we talk about immune system type treatments, where we say that, that to involve the immune system is, is like involving a person's army. It involves then all the things that, that, that the military would need to use, uh, in, including leadership and, and supply lines and, and a, a wide variety of things. Wow. And um, 
what can people do to prevent cancer? I mean, it, you, it's more than just about medicine at this point, right? It, it, it sure is. And I, and I think that, that things that, that people can do in general that, that are important, that would change the number of people having cancer annually in the United States, uh, include a number of things. Not smoking cigarettes at all in any amount uh, or using tobacco at all would dramatically change the incidence of a number of cancers. Not just there, lung cancer? Yes, lung cancer, kidney cancer, cancer of the pancreas, cancer of the mouth, cancer of the swallowing tube, cancer of the bladder are all associated with, with cigarette smoking and other cancers may as, as, as well. Wow. And what about diet? You hear a lot about eat healthy exercise. Does that really make a difference? Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty clear that when you look at how uh, people in other cultures and in other countries that have diets that are less, uh, that, are, that are heavier in, in fruits and vegetables and more in fiber, tend to have less cancers in general than people who eat a Western diet that tends to be very, very, very red meat, very sugar-oriented. Huh. And um, how is that changing the business of treating cancer? I mean, is CTCA incorporating dietitians and other aspects into your treatment plan as opposed to just the doctors on the front end that we think of traditionally treating cancer? Yes, absolutely. One of the advantages that we have at CTCA is, is that for every medical oncologist, there's a team that's involved. So in other words, um, on my team, I have uh, three care manager nurses who help make sure that communication is excellent between patients and families and medical staff and other professionals that help coordinate care. We have our own dietitian who sees each patient of ours at every visit to talk about things like increasing calorie intake or, or ways that certain foods may provide additional vitamins. We have a naturopathic physician who can answer questions about natural substances and, and, and supplements. And, and we have a mind-body uh, team member as well that can help a person in terms of things of mental outlook and, and help Im improve the, 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 the willingness to fight. So you're really treating the entire person, not just the organ or system affected. Exactly. I think that's an important that's an important thing. In other words, if you say, for instance, what what distinguishes successful uh, football teams from from other football teams, you say, well, gee, you, every team has the same number of players in the National Football League, and 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 they have the same quarter quarterback system and things like that. But but the difference often is is, is um, what's the mental outlook, what's the leadership, what is the the intangible factors make a, a huge amount of difference, and we believe that just as well for for treating cancer. So in other words, it's not just the medicines that that somebody gets, but it's all the other things that contribute. We know that at least part of the fight is is a is a mental emotional uh, type 
uh, battle. And, and, and the saying goes that when a person has cancer, it affects the entire family. And so it, this is a, a wide-ranging kind of approach that, that, that needs to be emphasized. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned diet and our lifestyles, our Western lifestyles. Is, it seems like you hear all the time more and more people getting cancer. Is this just because we can better identify it or are rates rising or are they falling because we're treating it better? Well, um, there, there's a number of different factors. Methods for diagnosis are better, but we know that the, the number of cases is increasing. For instance, we, we know that for um, 20 years ago, we used to say that, that there would be about 35,000 Americans that would develop the skin cancer, the deadly skin cancer called melanoma. Nowadays, we, we find 70,000 uh, people Wow. Uh, diagnosed annually uh, with melanoma, and that incidence has been rising on an annual basis. And so we know that it, it just, that's just one example of of the, the cancer incidence uh, increasing. Is that environmental or lifestyle or? Right, I think it's a combination of both for melanoma. For instance, we know that 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 sun exposure is the highest risk factor for for melanoma. And, and as we have issues with ozone depletion, we, we know that that plays some role. We also know that because in, in general, in our, our society, people tend to get um, a week's worth of sun exposure on a weekend. So in other words, the person who, who works in the office for five days a week and then on Saturday is going to do lawn work, is going to take the kids uh, to soccer and, and watch them play and then take another child to, to Little League and, and watch that child play and then go home and be at the pool. And, and all the sun exposure is radiation exposure that puts a person at risk for melanoma. In addition, we know that, that because there's a lot of pressure on, on young people to have what some would say is the healthy tan, we know that tanning exposure is associated with, with increase in skin cancer, particularly melanoma as well. Wow, yeah. So I, I guess the takeaway is no tanning, wear a hat, sunscreen, that sort of thing? I think all those things are very, very important. I, I, I counsel people to, to try to do most of the outside activities before 11 in the morning and after 3 in the afternoon. And when that's not possible is to try to avoid becoming tan because uh, tan skin is sun-damaged skin or radiated skin. And so when a tan fades, that's our body's way of trying to repair the radiation exposure that, that, was, that was suffered. And what about, you mentioned Little League games. What about those kids out there who have the Little League game at noon and have to be out there? Um, what precautions can you take so they don't grow into adults who are going to have to fight this fight? Sure. I think that it's very important to, to teach children from an early age that you have to respect the sun, and you get used to wearing sunscreen and trying to avoid being tan. To get children used to wearing hats and caps, and, and there's nothing wrong with something that, that's a fashionable hat or cap, and you get children used to doing that. You get used to them having um, uh, particularly sun-resistant type clothing that, that's now available. There are a number of things that can be done, but the idea is to create the atmosphere and the culture uh, protecting a person's skin, and a lesson that sometimes we have to we have to tell uh, children and tell young people, and we certainly tell adults, is that if you stay out of the sun, 
and don't get suntan and never get sunburn, your skin stays younger looking for years longer than what one would expect. And that's an added bonus, I would imagine. This is the world we live in. Everybody wants to look young, so... Yes, look young forever. Exactly. And just before we wrap up, um, looking ahead, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years, where do you see the fight against cancer going? Can we say goodbye to this disease once and for all? Well, you know, what's very hard about cancer is it's, it's not just a single disease, but it is a family of diseases that are related to the organ in which the cancer starts. And so what that, that is likely to mean is, is that for um, a number of cancers, it'll be individual battles that, that have to be won. We do know that because of the genetic sequencing or, or in other words, finding out now what some of the fingerprinting that cells have and cancer cells have, there is for the first time newer treatments that are less random than chemotherapy, that are more targeted or more specific for certain cancers, are going to become more readily available as, as time goes by. And I think these, and along with using a person's immune system, which has the ability to find things more naturally uh, and less randomly um, that don't belong in the body, are going to, to lead the major advancements from, from a treatment standpoint. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kwan. Um, you're doing great work, and we'd love to have you back to tell us what you're up to in a couple months. Thank you so much, Dylan. I'd, I'd appreciate the opportunity, and thanks for having us today. Absolutely. Dr. Walter Kwan Jr. is Chief of Medical Oncology at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up with the Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. Joining us now is Matthew McGuire, who's Senior Vice President of Operations for the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Now, Matthew, you're, you're based in Goodyear, Arizona, right outside of Phoenix? Yeah, that's correct. We're uh, right off of I-10, about uh, 15 miles directly west of uh, downtown Phoenix. And tell me a little bit about what sets CTCA apart from other cancer treatments, who your patients are, what you do. Uh, well, that's a, a great question and uh, one that probably could talk all day about. Um, I think specifically about Cancer Treatment Centers of America and Goodyear, uh, one of the unique things about us is that we do draw quite a number of our patients from outside the, the Phoenix metropolitan area. And in fact, uh, the facility here in Arizona draws patients from most of the United States with a heavy focus on the 13 states uh, that we classify as our typical region, and that ranges from uh, Alaska uh, out to Hawaii, over here to Arizona, up to Nevada through Utah, uh, Wyoming, so on and so forth. And uh, ultimately, what that means is about 70% of our patients are traveling to us from one of those 13 states, uh, on average traveling about 500 miles. And it's really quite an interesting uh, group of patients. they uh, typically um, have been treated uh, somewhere else at another cancer treatment facility before being treated here uh, at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. About 55% of our patients over the past year fit into that category where they had received uh, at least a course of treatment prior to coming here. So 45% are what we would classify as analytic patients, which means that they 
uh, received their first course of treatment here uh, at our facility. Um, even beyond the analytic versus uh, non-analytic, which would describe the patients who have been treated elsewhere, about uh, two-thirds of our patients fall into a category of what we call complex or advanced cancer. That means that either they have a stage two, stage three, stage four um, uh, progression of their disease when they arrive here, uh, or they've got a, a complex uh, cancer that we'd classify as one that's uh, aggressive and uh, will require uh, pretty systemic therapy uh, to help them in their healing process. And do the people generally stay on campus or nearby for a period of time or come back and forth for treatment? Yes, they uh, they do a bit of both, actually. Uh, one of the unique things about the design of the facility is that uh, attached to the hospital, we have uh, an area called our outpatient accommodations. Essentially, what that means is that we have a hotel uh, located on property that is uh, uh, just steps away from the outpatient clinic, the inpatient unit, where patients uh, would be receiving their care and treatment. Uh, that outpatient uh, accommodation facility has 45 rooms, and so patients will uh, travel uh, from outside the state to here, uh, depending upon uh, the treatment cycle they're in, whether that be a, a round of chemotherapy, which would, could be just for a couple of days, or for an extended radiation therapy cycle, which could be upwards of eight weeks. They'd be staying um, on or within those rooms and um, uh, traveling back home when that, that course of care is complete. There are patients, however, that uh, if they're coming uh, back for just an evaluation, will uh, hop on a, a plane from Las Vegas and take the 35-minute flight uh, from Vegas here to Phoenix and in the morning, and then we'll do their follow-up uh, evaluations, get any scans or tests complete, then hop on a plane and fly back home that very afternoon. You guys sound like the shining example of what we're hoping to do here in Las Vegas and Nevada in terms of medical tourism. Do you see any plans to expand this way and come to Nevada, or what suggestions would you have for our leaders who are trying to establish these kind of centers here? CTCA's current plans uh, don't contemplate uh, having a, a physical presence in Las Vegas. However, I do think there is a, a, a number of things that uh, uh, we could offer in terms of learnings uh, for uh, folks up in Las Vegas. Uh, one of those would include uh, some of the things that we had just spoken about in terms of designing your facility to accommodate patients that are traveling from a distance. And that would include things like the outpatient accommodation area. Uh, another unique capability that we have invested in is our transportation fleet. And so we have a, a team of uh, transportation drivers that work on a 24 by 7 basis uh, to pick patients up at the airport and transport them here and then back. Uh, we also have a fairly extensive offering for patients when they have downtime for some of their extended uh, stays here where we'll take them to malls in and around town. And I think much like uh, Las Vegas, uh, Phoenix is in a very similar position where there's a lot to do here in the community. 
And so we really encourage our patients to get out and about and leverage the community that the hospital is within. Absolutely. And I, I bet that's it's obviously good for the city and the economy, but good for the patient. We just had Dr. Kwan who said, you know, you need to treat the whole person. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it really does. And, um, you know, we're fortunate here in the Southwest to have uh, a lot of sunlight and for most part of the year, uh, fairly good weather and uh, uh, getting patients out and about uh, not only, I think, has that emotional uh, escape that is important to patients when they're going through cancer treatment, but also the physical activity of getting up and about uh, goes a long way to how they feel on a daily basis. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. I enjoyed it. This is We're talking to Matthew McGuire. He's vice Pre- Senior Vice President of Operations at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up With The Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Dallin Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Thanks to Stephen Zeller, our producer, and the entire KUNV team. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your day. 